Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Submitted for Your Approval, a Twilight Zone podcast. And I am Brandon Cruz. This is episode three of the second season. And today we have a special guest. He's a stand-up comedian. He's an actor, a podcaster, writer, and director. He's directed two documentaries, Afghanistan, Comedy Downrange, and one based on a topic near and dear to my heart, Earbuds, the podcasting documentary. He's a multi-talented gentleman and pretty damn funny if you've seen his stand-up. A warm welcome to Mr. Graham Elwood. Hello, Graham. Hey, how are you? Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me. No, it's 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 a sincere pleasure. Uh, I, I'm before we started recording, I asked you how your day was going, but how's your day going for the recording? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going great. You know, just um, I got up, I worked out, and then just have a lot of uh, business to do. We we you know Los Angeles Podcast Festival was about two weeks ago, I think. Yeah. And so there's just a lot of business to, to finish up with that. And then uh, I've also been hired to direct some commercials. And so I'm working on that, you know, getting clips from my editor and stuff. And then, of course, you know, we'll record Comedy Film Nerds podcast tomorrow. So it's a, there's always a lot of stuff to do. And I'm watching the Chicago Cubs in the playoffs. So it's a it's good oh. business all around. <laughs> All right, all right. Yeah, that's that sounds way busier than what I've what I've been up to. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it's it's good, right? It's it's good to to keep yourself busy and and you know, being such a creative person and that like getting that outlet out there is mm-hmm. feels good, right? Yeah, but you know, don't sell yourself short, Brandon. You're in the Air Force, so you're doing a fair amount. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I I try to I try to be humble about that. I don't. It's one of those things where I, I say like I don't I just work on computers, uh, but you know I don't want, I don't want to try to sell myself right like right. no I I'm saving everything all the time. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get into the episode. Uh, this is Nervous Man in a Four Dollar Room, originally aired October fourteenth of nineteen sixty. Starring William D. George as George. Not really starring. He's in it a little bit. Um, he's also a doctor in Eye of the Beholder. Mm-hmm. And Joe Mantell as Jackie Rhodes. Uh, he's also in Steel. Um, although I recognize him from Chinatown, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Douglas Hayes, who directed nine episodes of the, the series. And teleplay by Rod Serling. You know, this is such a great... You know, it's just, to me, it's kind of classic Twilight Zone because it's, you know, Twilight Zone, Rod Serling dealt with a lot of themes of inner demons and mm-hmm. a person battling with good and evil. Um, because I think he, I think if you know the history of Rod Serling, if you read, we were talking about it um, before we started recording the, the mm-hmm. Serling uh, biography, Rod Serling, TV's Last Angry Man. And you go into his life and he grew up, I think in sort of upstate New York and, um, you know, he was Jewish and then, you know, fought in world war two. And he was, a, you know, he was like five, four and a half. He wasn't a big guy. So he, I think had a little bit of small guy complex maybe. And, <laughs> you know, and had to prove who he was. And he was like, you know, he was a paratrooper and he fought in like, I believe the the Japanese theater of war, I mean, like in Guadalcanal. And I mean, he saw brutal, brutal stuff 
which is why that that's covered, you know, war is covered in a lot of themes. And then, um, you know, uh, post, I mean, he really was sort of Don Draper-ish. I mean, you know, he, he, he got into the ad game and then he started writing for live TV. Um, and you know, was a lot of kind of battling the establishment to a certain extent. There's a great interview with him with a young Dan Rather. Um, and of course, they're both sitting there smoking cigarettes on TV, which is just classic. It's just great. Right. Just sitting there, just like, you know, Chesterfields or whatever they're, they're having. Yeah, those um, were the days. Those were the days. It was great. But like, he was he was on that show to promote this new crazy sci-fi show called Twilight Zone, and Dan Rather was talking about you know, and, and it was so funny knowing what Twilight Zone thematically what it ended up doing, but like there's all these Rod Serling is like you know I'm 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 not fighting the the censors or the networks anymore. We're just doing sci-fi. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. And you know it's such a Trojan horse because. <laughs> So much he dealt with racism on that show. He dealt with, you know, it's all kinds of social issues um, that were really kind of ahead of his time. I mean, sure, some of the episodes have some sort of, you know, out of date or sexism or some sort of, you know, whatever. But but considering for the time, there was stuff that was way ahead of its time. And and, you know, that show was very i mean it was like film noir tv mm-hmm. because you know if you look at a lot of the film noir movies that came out post-war america late 40s and 50s you know there's a lot of like sweaty guys and cheap suits <laughs> and brittle cream and you know they're all kind yeah. of twitchy and then you know they gotta run some long con and everything's dark and bleak and yeah. nervous man in a four dollar room is taking that but adding a science fiction element to it, which is he's 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 literally arguing. I mean, it's something a lot of people have probably done. Like I've done it, looked in the mirror and been like, what are you jackass? What are you doing? But what would what would happen if like the mirror turned back to you and said. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> said you man up or whatever. Like um, I've, I've looked in the mirror just doing my hair for like 20 minutes at a time. Just saying, like, come on, just can you do this for me? Like, <laughs> uh, just a little more gel, Brandon. That, that's what my reflection says. Yeah, gel it up. Um, <laughs> so it's really, I mean, you know, and it's 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 great writing in that he's, you know, this kind of. I mean, this is a a, a, a theme that's in a lot of his is there's this some kind of cheap, shallow man. Yeah, you know, who's like. Not a, not a stand-up guy, not a good guy, just some cheap little hustler. I mean, that's in a lot of his teleplays. Yeah. And, and yeah. a lot of times those guys get their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he actually finds the strength to be the better man. And Yeah, it, that, that, that's kind of interesting, right, is, is there's, there's a certain happy ending quality to to this episode where you know a a lot of times you know there in moments of our weakness we we sit you know we talked in the mirror and say okay uh we just got to go out there we just got to go out there and do it right Mm -hmm. like uh even you know just just talking to new people for the show and i'm sure you as a stand-up comedian have done this where you're just like okay i'm gonna go perform gotta go gotta go out there talk talk yourself into it 
and uh-huh. um, um, where you know maybe your your self confidence is is kind of waning a little bit, but that that confident side of you, the the side on the other side of the mirror, says, okay, let's let's do this. I'm taking over. This is my persona now. Yeah, I think it's it's you know from a stand up comedy point of view, uh, you know. One time I did a show, uh, was working with Adam Ferrara. This is like over 10 years ago. And he, he put it very eloquently. We were talking about, um, you know, going out after the show. And, and if you go to the bar where everyone was at the show, and then, you know, you're the hero. And he goes, and I said, but if you go to the bar where they're not there, he goes, yeah, you lose your superpowers. <laughs> because, like, when you're on stage, you sort of have a superpower. It's sort of your... I mean, a lot of comics are very sort of, there's a lot of, you're neurotic, you're insecure, but when you're on stage, you're like in complete command. It's, you're just like the, you're the captain of the ship, you know, you're like James Kirk, you know, you're just like this, you're the badass and you just, especially if if, if you're really, if you're really cranking on stage and you're just, and someone tries to heckle you and you slam them and everybody laughs and you're just like, boom, like you have so much. You, you are in such a position of power and strength. It's a very tenuous strength if you lose control of the audience, but like you are in charge. And then there's so many places. And I, I've talked about with so many comedians where you're just in regular life. You're at the bank, you're at a store. And then someone says something dumb and you just kind of like, Oh, you know, you just sort of just like, you know, you're, because you're not in stand up comic mode where you're like, everything's super intense. It's super, um, exaggerated. Yeah. And you know, you just kind of, I mean, I've had it and I've talked to so many comics. It's just like somebody like says something and you just kind of take it and you kind of go, Oh yeah. All right. And then you think, man, wait. And then later you go, ah, oh, God, I should have eaten that guy alive. Like, yeah. um, uh, I got this, I got this. I could have said, I should have oh. said, yeah, said all these things. Whereas, you know, when you're on stage and it's a good crowd and you're, you're on fire, you, you're, you're sort of have this invincibility. And I think that's sort of what appealed to me in terms of this episode of nervous man in a $4 room is he's, he's not, obviously it's not stand up comedy. He's this, you know, he's been a, he's been a nickel and dime guy for a mobster mm-hmm. and the mobster is clearly a guy that is just finds these weaker sort of end of the line guys and exploits them to do stuff for them. And, you know, gets this guy to commit some crime. And he's like, I don't want to kill this store owner. You know, I don't want to. And because then you go from just nickel and dime to felony and, you know, why do I want to kill this guy? And he's sort of wrestling. Like, do I, he's trying to kind of maybe talk himself into doing the crime, but then he's like, I can't. And it's really, it could be, you know, initially the sort of, for me, the first time I saw the episode, it was very much like, I th- initially I thought sort of the guy in the mirror was the bad guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of start to realize that the guy in the mirror is actually the, it is the voice of strength. It is the like, Hey, do the right thing. And sometimes doing the right thing isn't easy or fun. Um, but you can't kill this guy just because this gangster has been leaning on you, you got to stand up and, you know, and, and also sort of like, you got to kind of take responsibility. Like you got yourself in this position. How are you going to get yourself out? Yeah. 
I, I think it's interesting that um, Jackie, well, we'll go, we'll refer to him as Jackie and John because um, John is, is the, the strong side, right? Uh, Jackie is so willing to fight against his stronger, stronger half, right? Uh-huh. Like he's, he's, he's more willing to fight against himself and be assertive against himself than he is as soon as the phone rings and George is on the line again, right? Like mm-hmm. as, as soon as George calls up, he he switches from being like no i'm i'm not going to do i'm not going to take this to oh oh hey 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 george hey like like going back and reverting to that kind of timid meek human being that that he was at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. um and i think that that's really indicative of kind of how how we are with our ourselves sometimes and and who we associate with um just in in life right well yeah i mean it's it's sort of like you know a part of it is it's it's a little bit commentary on the circumstances maybe like you know we've all had moments of weakness where maybe we didn't make the greatest decision now obviously it's not as severe as like a murder or a crime or whatever but like well yeah you know i had to get that club date um <laughs> but like you you know, just sort of, I don't know, a financial decision, a career decision or something like that, where you sort of like, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm, I've worked in a while or I need money or whatever. And you sort of take something and not that it's, not that it's illegal or whatever, but it maybe it's not the best job choice for you. Or maybe it's even, you know, it's working for somebody or some company that maybe you don't really like or respect or there's a little gray ethical area and you just, but you talk yourself into it because, Oh man, I need the gig. And it's not that, you know, and you sort of, you know, that voice in the mirror can sort of say, yeah, yeah, it's okay. (laughs) It's okay that you do that, you know, or that you, you know, took that extra money that wasn't yours or, or whatever that, you know, you, you saw somebody do something that wasn't right, but you didn't want to get involved or something, you know, there's these little kind of, and I think Rod Serling is sort of commenting on that. Like you keep making those one little here, one little here, all of a sudden you're going to end up in a room having to decide whether you commit a crime or say no to a gangster. Right. You know, like I think that's sort of the commentary too is, is if you keep arguing with the stronger, better part of your nature, the, you know, as Lincoln said, the better, the better angels of yourself, of ourselves mm-hmm. is which is what Jackie's doing in the beginning you know, um, this is where you get, this is where you end up, you know, a nervous man in a $4 room. (laughs) So, and then when you finally actually maybe listen to that voice of like, Hey, do the right thing, then you can have a transformation. And that's such a great, you know, it's also Joe Mantell is, is, is one of those amazing actors that like, just didn't, you know, he didn't break out career-wise, but should have right. at least this episode, because you see the you see first of all, and and in reading in the in the Twilight Zone companion on the set, Joe Mantel was basically acting with another. He was he was treating it like he was acting with another another actor on set. Right, right, with the uh, with the rear projection. Right? Yeah. Um, and he would look into the mirror and just look at himself basically when they would like rehearse and stuff. And he would just talk to the, his actual reflection, not the rear projection of the John character, but the, his actual reflection and, and act with that person. Yeah. You know, and, um, 
the 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 first the first time the first couple times I've seen the episode, I didn't even I didn't even take into account that he was acting with himself, right? Mm-hmm. And and just maybe like the last two times, I'm like, oh, the, how how talented is he to to give us such a great performance with himself like that? I I didn't it didn't even really occur to me until the last few times. It's really really spectacular. And then there's the the then you the final transformation is when William Gordon comes in and is like hey what's up whatever he says hey bomb or something like crumb or whatever and yeah. and he just lifts his head up and you see immediately oh he's no longer the scared guy yes like the minute he lifted his head I was like that was a great piece of acting you just go oh this is the guy from the mirror now yeah like his shoulders are are, are straighter. Like he's got he's got a confidence in just his his face, right? Yeah, like he gives a little smirk here, that little confident smirk. And it's like you just know right there. Oh, he's he's not doing this. He's 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 found a solution. You know that's that's part of the the writing of it, and part of I think when it just which is such a great commentary on human nature. When you get in a jam and you feel like you're in a corner it's easy to think that there's no solution. Like you can't, you only see like black and white thinking. I either got to do this or I'm screwed that or I'm screwed this way. And when you, you know, when you consult somebody like a friend or a confidant or whatever that, that really you like and trust it's, it's, I found for me personally, then talking to those people, they'll bring up some point of view, some solution that I hadn't considered, Mm -hmm. or they've even just said, Hey, there's probably a solution out there you never thought of. And you just got to kind of walk through this process. Well, I mean, this is very distinct. The, the solution is I'm going to knock this, the gangster out and guess what? There's a new boss in town, which is sort of, I mean, this yeah. is half hour TV. So you have to kind of, everything's got to kind of get wrapped up, you know, and that, that's twilight zone, but. And it, and it was, it was a really thrilling, uh, three, three punch combo, uh, yeah. on, on his part as well. The, the, the foot stomp, the stomach punch and yeah. the face. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, like that, that was really cool. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, there's, there's this whole theme in, in pop culture. You know, you have, you have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? The two, mm-hmm. two sides of personality. Uh, you can almost, uh, use fight club as an example too. Right. Sure. Or, um, you know, aside from the, the testosterone stuff, right. The, the becoming a man, it's really the narrator, finding out that, oh, like the, the parts of me are able to take control of, of my life. And at the very end of the movie, uh, not so much the, the novel, you know, he says, you know, I don't need you anymore. Right. You are, you are me. So I got this covered. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I think that, you know, that theme is, is played out a lot, you know, and how people sort of have, two different personalities, some, you know, whatever they're, they're this way in business. And then they're this way with their family, Sure, yeah. you know? Um, and so that's, it, it's sort of intriguing. I mean, this is, uh, to see the super extreme example. I mean, we've seen this in a lot of sort of mobster movies like Goodfellas or whatever, like Joe Pesci is out kicking guys heads in and then he comes home and he makes pancakes for his kid. Cause he's a loving father, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is how you slice the garlic. Yeah, this exactly. You're like, <laughs> um, you know, uh, I mean, 
a lot. Yeah. I mean, the, the Sopranos covered this. I mean, it's been covered a lot, you know. Oh yeah, like like Narcos too. You know, mm-hmm. you you have uh, you have a hard time saying like like Pablo Escobar is a, a terrible terrible person, but then he's like loving his family and he's like so loving towards them. Right. And like, oh, he loves his wife. <laughs> yeah, he's in the backyard playing with his son. Oh, you know, and he calls everybody Mia Moore, and oh, what a nice, yeah. kind-hearted guy that you know blew up and murdered <laughs> like hundreds of people or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, hey, what? So I ask all my guests to give a rating of the episode mm-hmm. in whatever in whatever scale you choose. What would you give this episode? You know, this is probably. Um, I don't know if you were to go four out of five stars, I'd probably say four. Okay. It's it's All good. Right. It's good. The acting's good. It's a great theme. It has um it has a nice clean tidy ending, which is not it's not necessarily a bad thing, but w- a five star Twilight Zone episode for me are the ones that really make you think and are left with like a oh wow. This is just sort of like, oh okay, good guy wins. <laughs> which again that's not bad it's not it's not it, a slam it's just like i mean obviously i'm this is the, the quintessential twilight zone episode but like um you know eye of the beholder leaves you with a like wow i have to really kind of think more about you know what beauty is and what our society says and any of those any of those twilight zones that ended with that right but there's almost like almost like a question you know, you kind of ask yourself, what would I do or how would I react in this? Or man, I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. And especially, you know, I had the beholder as a first time viewer at the end of it, you say, Oh, I have to, I have to question my assumptions um, right. of, of things. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of this episode, uh, you know, you're right. You know, there's, there's nothing really to question. You're like, Hey, cool. He, he nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only thing you might question yourself is, yeah, okay, the next time I'm I'm acting weak, I got to listen to the the tough guy in the mirror, you know? <laughs> so, you know just <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's like, oh yeah, no, you don't need any more gel. Just just go like that. You look fine. Yeah, thumbs up, <laughs> thumbs up. Uh, I you know I, uh, this real quick, but I think you, you mentioned that you know when we first see uh, John start interacting, right? we kind of we kind of assume he's going to be a bad guy right mm-hmm. and uh i that goes back to like mirror image uh, season 1 episode um and i always i always use this as a reference but prince of darkness uh john carpenter right um but like the the idea that the other side of the mirror is always like a, a, something trying to take you over right and so there's 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 kind of a fear of that but i think what changes in this episode is this other side of the mirror is a better version of you. <laughs> right. So, right. Hey, go for it. Go for it, guy. Be a better version of me. Well, yeah, there's also like, um, you know, the invaders, the end, the end of the invaders is just like, Oh wow. You know, this poor woman is being terrorized, you know, by these robots. And then you find out, Oh, the robots are us. It's the U S space program. You know, like that's a one where I would give that like a five star. There's almost no dialogue in it, mm-hmm. and it's so creepy. And you think it's you, you, it's got the crazy twist, the, the Twilight Zone twist that you know, like you think it's just about all oh, all robots are taking over the world, you know. And it's 
because this is written in 1960. So like the space program and like all the robots and rockets, it's all just starting, right? Yeah. And there's this woman living in sort of a frontier type cabin or, you know, some third world country or something. And then you realize, oh God, what if we land on some planet with giants and we're terrorizing them, <laughs> you know, just like, yeah. like being, being such, such dicks about it too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Being like, maybe, you know, like we need to be aware of <laughs> when we go to another planet. Yeah. I, I think about that just as far as us exploring the universe as we are now, right? Like, with Proxima Centauri, they mm -hmm. think that uh, it's in a, a habitable zone, right? And I just think, like, we we are an invasive species in some aspects to that. If there is life over there, mm -hmm. how are we, you know, going in there and, and and affecting it positively or negatively, right? Right, and then it also brings up the question that, like, Stephen Hawking has said and other people have, like, if a, if a, a species comes here... And they're a stronger species than we are, mm -hmm. then they, we could go extinct. Or they could just, you know, there could be some, like, some thing that, like, you know, the smallpox, like, that just wipes us out that we're not used to. Some new bug that, we're, that, that their species from their planet can handle and we can't. You know, like, I mean, there's all these other, we've always been the explorers and we've always been the ones that sort of, have taken over and what if it goes the other way mm -hmm. you know what what if, what if war of the worlds ends with us getting a, a martian cold right yeah exactly <laughs> exactly what if there's some i mean some weird alien virus that we have nothing to combat with yeah and maybe they're not even hostile they don't want to take over but they just show up and it's like whoops you know yeah exactly you know we're we're recording this on columbus day and so that that yeah. is kind of a pertinent mm -hmm. uh, pertinent point, right? Just just bringing over uh, smallpox and wiping out a vast majority of the population. Mm -hmm. So yeah, ex excellent excellent points, excellent points. Thank you so much for for talking about sure. the episode with me. Uh, I, I want to ask you a few things about about you, um, about you and your life and everything that goes on. <laughs> I, I don't know why I sound so uh, melodramatic. Uh, so I, I want I wanted to ask. So you, your stand up comedian. Mm -hmm. um, your most recent album is Palm Strike Dance Party. I listened I listened to it the other day, and it's it's awesome. You got some really good stuff on there. Oh, thanks. Uh, I wanted to comment. Uh, you you have a bit in there, and this it's a hilarious bit. It's about like going on to like the TV guide. And seeing what their little blurbs are, right for, for episodes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my wife actually on Netflix, you go you go on Netflix and they do the same thing. They're like Netflix will have just a small blurb trying to explain the episode or or movie, and it's just it's way off. It's just it's just way off. Uh, so I, I just I love I love that bit. That's a really great bit. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It, it, uh... It was really from traveling and, and scrolling through various, you know, cable and satellite providers and the way they, you know, because I've, you know, doing the comedy film nerds podcast, I watch a lot of movies. I went to film school. So you hear these breakdowns of these films that were just hilarious. And then 
uh, I started posting some of them on Twitter and then fans would write me their own. And that was like, uh, that was so funny to me, you yeah. know, just what you'd hear. And like a rich kid hates clowns, the dark Knight. you know, like, <laughs> I think that's one a fan sent me. Um, the actual one, the first one I heard might've been something like a boy returns home from the war to take over his family's business, the Godfather, <laughs> you know? And I was like, it was, it was some, and you're like, you're, you're missing. You, yeah. These, these writers yeah, are missing the point. There's no mention of, of the Corleone mob family or any of the stuff that's happening in that movie. It's just about Michael Corleone coming home from the war, yeah. you know? Uh, like and I and I wonder who who these people are. Like they're like, all right, we need to hire some some movie blurb men. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and they just sit around this pole. they just look at like the, the the film cover on the DVD or something, and they just go, well, all right, I guess. This <laughs> yeah, this looks good. This looks. Uh, it's about a uh, guy in a bunny mask, Donnie Darko. Yeah. No <laughs> <laughs> Halloween dress up movie. Here we go. <laughs> So you, you've done, uh, I want to say thank you on behalf of our men and women of the armed forces, uh, for doing, doing so many USO tours. how did you get involved with that? You know, I had, uh, this comic I knew from Chicago. So back in like 2004, 2003, 2004, he had started doing comedy tours. He had done like a USO tour and then he kind of started some of his own, um, and just, at, I was at the Hollywood Improv and, and he was like, you know, do you want to go to Afghanistan next month? I need a guy. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, I need to think about this. And, yeah. and, uh, I talked about it with a buddy of mine and he's like, yeah, you gotta go bring a camera. You know, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So it was like, it's, it's really life changing, you know, cause I went, to Afghanistan in 2004 and 2006 and 2007. And then I went to Iraq in 2007 and 2008 and 2011. Uh, and I went to Kuwait in 2012. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I knew some comics that, so I did seven of those tours. And, but that, I mean, I knew some guys that did like this, my friend, Scott Kennedy, he was putting together a tour to Iraq and he went over there like 50 times. I mean, wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, I don't, I did not prior to these taking these trips know much about what actual military life was like other than like the movies. And so to go through that and see what someone who's, you know, deployed in a war zone and seeing what a, 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 a small, you know, fire base, you know, a forward operating base and stuff that was like unbelievable. Yeah, it's um I I can imagine that it's uh just it's I I opening for for lack of a a better less cliché term, right? Uh it just just the the conditions that they they that they go through and and um from from a day-to-day -day basis. Oh yeah, I mean I mean I remember being in Afghanistan when uh President Bush extended the deployments to something like 12 to 15 or 16 months or something. And just people were a little, you know, they were like, it's tough. Now one guy said, you know, now I'm missing two birthdays. 
yeah. you know, I'm missing two Christmases or whatever. And I was like, oh, wow. And, and the thing I really took from it is I saw so many of the military folks, uh, you know, I would say something like, wow, you know, I, I can't believe you guys are here for a year and you're sleeping in cots and like, yeah, but we have it easy compared to like what, you know, the people in Afghanistan are having to go through. And yeah. there's, there's definitely this sense of like, someone has it tougher than us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the respect that was for that. And then also they would always say, well, it's, you know, it's, it's hard on the families when you go over there just to do two weeks to do comedy. I don't, I'll, I don't know what it's like to, you know, be a, in the infantry or anything like that. And I'll never know what that's like, but I did, you do get an idea. It's sort of like being on the sideline of an NFL game. You know, my family was freaking out cause I was gone for two weeks and I would tell them, well, imagine if I was deployed for 12 months. You know, like uh, we don't, we don't, we don't want to do that. Yeah, all, I mean, yeah, and they're just like, and and the, the how the family freaks out every time there's some story, you know, especially in those years from like oh three to two thousand nine, ten, eleven. I mean, it was like every day there was some story. There was a bombing. There was a shooting. There was a thing, and then it was um, it was really sort of humbling and eye opening to see what that experience was like. Well, why well, I know I know that they appreciate it. Having laughter uh, in in those situations is is a really great way to just you know take take them out of the that kind of that stress for just for a couple hours here and there, right? So it's I know it's really appreciated. So so thank you for that. Hey, it's my pleasure. Um, so the last thing I want to ask about uh, is you are a podcaster. You do comedy film film nerds, right? And you set up recently the LA Pod Fest, which is the the second year, right? No, it's actually the fifth year. We just that's a typo on my end. Sorry, <laughs> fifth year, man. That's yeah, man. Nice, nice research, Brandon. <laughs> uh, the the, be- the beauty about this is the editing. <laughs> well, that's the last time you'll ever talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, it's, you know, this was our this was our fifth year doing the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. It's been a really, uh, it's a lot of work, but it's a really cool event. And you know, there's so much scheduling and planning and logistics and dealing with budgets and all this stuff. But but it really this weekend, especially, um, there's this you know a lot of there's a lot of there's a core group of people that come just about every year, and it's always great to see them. And it's like it's like coming to a family reunion or something. It's really, or a high school reunion. It's really cool. And then there's the people who this is their first year. And that is always cool too, because they usually have this sort of wide eyed amazement at how cool it is and how, how much of a community and everybody's nice. And, and then the podcasters who this is their first year, they're like, Oh my God, the crowds were great. And I'm like, Oh, you're never going to find a better comedy audience. Like they just, they get every joke, they get every inside reference they get, you know, and it's so fun. So it's really, it's a lot of work and we obviously, you know, it, we needed your heart's to, in it. your heart's yeah. in it. You know, we need it to be a for-profit venture. It's not that we, it has to make a profit. If it doesn't, we can't keep doing it, but you know, we want to make sure that it's, it's making money the right way that it's not some big corporate thing where we just try to squeeze every dollar out of everybody. We want to keep it all a sense of community and keep it all under one roof. And, and cause it means a lot to a lot of people. I mean, people come up and they, they hug me and thanks for doing this. And, 
Um, and even, you know, we showed earbuds, the podcasting documentary we screened yes. there and I had several people come up to me and just say, you know, one woman was like, you know, there's just a lot of darkness right now in the world. There's a, there's, yeah. a, there's a new shooting every day. There's terrorist attacks. There's a really contentious, you know, political. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty brutal, you know? And yeah, I, w- I watched the debates last night. I know. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like, it's. It's a, it's kind of a bummer, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good to have events like that where, where everybody's coming together. Right. And, and there, there, there's, there's not that darkness. It's it's like, there's laughter and there's people meeting each other and networking with, with new people that they've never, they'll never have met before in their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really, it is really cool. And the, the podcast fan is like the most engaged the most loyal, most, um, I mean, amazing type of listener or fan that you could ever have. I mean, I've done 300 episodes of TV. I've done stand-up comedy for decades, and those are great. I love doing stand-up. Stand-up's awesome. Yeah. But the podcast fan, I mean, you can always tell when they come to the stand-up show because they're, like, so into it. Um <laughs> And it's such a cool thing. It's, 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 there's no other medium like it that can connect people. I mean, anywhere, all, anyone, anywhere in the world can listen to this. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, now you've been, you've been podcasting for a while, right? With comedy film nerds. We've done like 340 regular episodes and then 40 some spoiler apps. So we're almost up in, you know, we've done almost 400 episodes. We've been doing it since 2009. That, that's an that that's what I aspire to. Although there's there's only 156 episodes in Twilight Zone, so <laughs> so at least 156, I'll be in there. With. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, no, that, that's that that's cool. Did you? Uh, I mean, how how did you how did you make that transition? Like you you were stand up comedy. You, you hosted a cram on Game Show Network for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you use that? kind of experience to to jump into to podcasting i think you know myself chris mancini my co-host and many other comedians in like especially los angeles kind of just grabbed podcasting out of a little sort of frustration with hollywood and traditional media there's so many people that you have to get these gatekeepers to approve you and in traditional media you know they have to give you a job they have to give you an agent has to you know, represent you, then they have to get you auditions. A casting director has to, has to call you in for that audition. You have to audition. Then the network people and the TV executives, they have to give you this job on this TV show. It's the same thing for movies, which means they can also take the TV shows away. Um, and podcasting was just great because we just do it ourselves. I mean, it's a lot of work. But it's very sort of empowering, you know. I, NBC isn't going to cancel comedy film nerds, right? You no, know, if, if if comedy film nerds ends, it's because Chris and I decide we don't want to do it anymore. Um, and we've been doing it a while, and it's 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 making some money, and that's a big accomplishment. It's it's we I want comedy film nerds to be like full time salary kind of money. It's not there yet, but it's getting there, and we did that ourselves. You know, we raised the money to, for, for earbuds, uh, on Kickstarter. And 
I don't know that I don't, you know, we raised $140,000. I don't know that I could have gotten movie investors or movie studios to give Chris and I that kind of money to make a documentary about podcasting. They might've just been like, what, who, what is this ham radio? A pod? No, like forget pod, it. Podcasting. Yeah. Oh, no isn't, way. Isn't that like an old timey radio? Thing? Yeah. Or isn't that just the internet digital radio or something like they would not, you know, so that's yeah. so great. And, and, you know, having experience as a host and a comedian, it, it helps, but anyone can do it. If that's not the truest thing you've said, uh, I mean, I'm doing it. Yeah. So any, anyone can do it. Look at this. I mean, you're, you're in the air force and you're in Hawaii and we're talking about, you want to talk about twilight zone. So you just decided to start a podcast about it. And then we are talking via Skype. Right, you didn't have to pitch this. You didn't have to come up with a business proposal. You didn't have to audition. You just did it. I ran a, a panel at a comic con a couple months back, and it was just like podcasting, finding your voice, and that's really what what I tried to get across was, hey, I'm no different from a lot of folks out there. I just I wanted to talk about something with with my friend or other people, meet other people, and so I just I just did it, and. Whether it's whether it's popular or not, it, that that doesn't matter to me. Um, just it it's a creative outlet, and I just happen to find that other people enjoy it, and they we can relate uh, on this common ground. Yeah, and that, that, I think that's the that's one of the the greatest things about podcasting. Um, I mean, I'm talking to you right now. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think we I would have had this experience had, had it not been for this show. Right. Well, I mean. You just reached out to me on Twitter and said, hey, Graham, you want to have a phone call about Twilight Zone? I'd probably be like, yeah, I don't know, dude. Uh, that's yeah. uh, well, <laughs> That sounds a little crazy to me. That's kind of, that's kind of creepy. That sounds like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, it sounds uh, like yeah, you're, I'm entering <laughs> into a weird, creepy world. And I don't want to, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> but this makes sense. It's a podcast. We'll talk about it. You, you know, put it on the internet. People, yeah. you know, can start following me on Twitter if they want. Absolutely. And and I know just how they can do that. Uh, I will. Here's here's how we can reach you. You're at Graham Elwood, right? G R A H A M E L W O O D. That's on Twitter. You're also at that Graham Elwood on Instagram as well. That's correct. Uh, also GrahamElwood.com. And for Earbuds Pod Movie. Uh, that's www.earbudspodmovie.com. Yeah, and you can follow Earbuds. It's at Earbuds Pod Movie on, um, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we are going to put that movie. We're doing a couple more film festivals. We're doing one in Romania next in a week. Uh, and we're doing uh, the Napa Valley Film Festival in Northern California, November uh, 10th through the 13th. We'll be there. There's four different screenings up there. Uh, and then we're going to put it on sale like right after that mid November. So, uh, it'll be for sale as a download at comedyfilmnerds.com. You'll be able to buy a standard depth version, a high depth version. Um, and you'll be able to buy a version with uh, a high depth version also with bonus features, digital, uh, digital bonus features. And then you can also just, if you're like a Kickstarter backer, you'll be sent a digital version. If that was the the donation level you did for Kickstarter. And then you can also buy just the bonus features, uh, to download as well. And then a DVD will be out, uh, beginning part of 2017. Uh, awesome, man. Yeah. That, that I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to November to, to catch that. You've got some good talent in there. 
Well, uh, we actually we have Aisha Taylor, uh, Aisha Tyler, uh, Chris Hardwick, Mark Marin is in it, um, nice. Doug Benson. You know, it's Jackie Cation's in it, Jimmy Pardo's in it, Todd Glass is in it, uh, Scott Ackerman's in it. It's a fantastic um, all all star. Yeah, it's 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 and and then all these great fans talking about what it meant to them and how it helped them through a tough time and stuff. It's a, it's a really, we go all over the world, you know, we go all over the U S we go to Australia, we go to Japan. It's, it's really cool. Well, uh, we, I will have the links for this in my show notes on, on the site. Um, and yeah, I'll, I will make sure that I send everybody who listens your direction. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, uh, for, for joining me on the episode, telling me a little bit about your history. Let me, Talk your ear off, interview style. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on the show. It, it was it was a it was a poor transition, was, <laughs> which you know, if there's one thing I'm good at, it's poor transition. <laughs> you should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna uh, if I'm gonna add that to my LinkedIn profile. Nice, nice. You know, seriously, thank you so much. I I know I took some time out of your day. I was happy to do it. I love talking about <laughs> Twilight Zone, and and hopefully I'll be back uh, on Oahu, maybe in January or February. I'll do a stand up show and maybe bring earbuds out. And we'll do a screening. I I will be here then. So, uh, you you come on out and we'll hit that up, tear it up. Awesome. All right. Well, well, thank you so much, Graham. For everyone else, if you'd like to get a hold of the show. There's a few ways you can do that. You can hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com slash S4YA podcast, Instagram and Twitter at S4YA underscore podcast, email S4YA podcast at gmail.com. You can give me a call, leave a voicemail, 860-GO-TZ-POD. And I am also on apatheticenthusiasm.com slash submitted dash for dash your dash approval. There's lots of dashes in there. Now, head out to iTunes, head out to Stitcher. Thank you, everyone who's ever given me a five-star and four-star or really any star review. It's extremely appreciated. You guys are awesome, guys and gals. Not going to be misogynist here. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Thanks again, Graham. And until next week, I'm Brandon Cruz, and this is Submitted for Your Approval.